You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. You guys love Jesus? I really like him. I really like being in a community of people who, who love Jesus, who, who sing their hearts out to Jesus. And uh, this morning, I had in my heart just to read from a scripture from 1 John, actually two parts of 1 John that are just the real simple stuff, what the, the, the gospel's made of. If um, just got to say, if this side of the room, if you guys feel neglected today, I'm sorry, there's just way more people on this side, and I keep getting over here. Uh, my wife's over here. I'll keep looking over this way. I wanted to read this scripture this morning because I just felt like it really speaks to a need that we have in a season like we've been in. And maybe that'll become more clear as we go through. I'm just going to dive right into it. It's, uh, we're going to read 1 John 3, verse 16 to 18. And then we're going to jump into 1 John 4, verse 19 to 21. So here we go. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. On to chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. If, one, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must also love, must love his brother also. And I, I love this scripture on one hand, because it's so simple, but on the other hand, it's extremely sobering. Because sometimes these simple commands to love in very practical ways, um, although they're simple, they're not easy. You know, like this is really just the bare bones of what it is to follow Jesus, to love the people around us. To love in a very practical way. To, to not hold on to that which we have and keep it to ourselves. And there were some words in this passage that we just read that really leapt out at me as I was looking at this in preparation. And it's in um, verse 17 of chapter 3. And it says, talks about shutting up our heart. I'll read the whole verse again. It says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And we can have this tendency to want to shut up, close off our hearts. And I was reminded as these words were leaping out from the page at me of about two months ago, Telsey and Elijah and I had to go to Vancouver for 
a doctor's appointment. And we were staying in downtown Vancouver. We went over on a Sunday, and then Elijah had doctor's appointment on a Monday morning. And I remember driving through downtown Vancouver, this super, you know, large city, right? And we're driving through on a Monday morning that should be business as usual, but like it felt like over half the businesses in downtown Vancouver had their storefronts barred up and closed. And it's because during COVID, there, there just was this like ghost town feel in Vancouver. And the, the sense, you know, is that these business owners are thinking to themselves, it's not even worth opening up. There's no, nothing's going to happen. It's not even worth it for us to open our doors. And so these businesses are barred up. And this image has just been in my mind, thinking of the scripture, that oftentimes we can find ourselves in that place as Jesus followers, where we think it's not even worth opening up. And we keep our hearts shut up, as John said in this passage. We close the doors, we bar the gates, we bar the windows of our heart, and we close off. And I think there's these common cynicisms that creep into our heart where we go, it's not worth it. What difference can I make? Or maybe keeping our hearts open to what's happening in the world around us is just too painful. It's easier to live closed off. And I don't know how many of you, but in this like recent news that's been really rattling our province, our nation, our communities about the findings of the residential school in Kamloops and now one in Manitoba, and I'm sure we're going to keep hearing more and more and more. There is this tendency that we can have to want to close our hearts off to the pain of the world. And today's message isn't all about just that and that situation, but I think it's a good um, test for us. We let our hearts feel what the Lord feels. I know I found myself in the week following the news about the Kamloops school. I was on a, a job site. I went onto a job site where a house was being built, and I remember just asking people on the Monday following the weekend when all this news was coming out, and like, hey, how did you experience hearing that? And there was a very common response of like, you know, it just feels like another, another bit of bad news. I live in this world full of bad news. And there was just this, this numbness to it that struck me. And I was just hit with like, oh, that's not an option for a Jesus follower. There's this call to us to love as he loves. To let our hearts remain open to this world around us. Letting cynicism rule our hearts or being numb or calloused is not an option for us. You know, you may, it, it's an option, okay? It's an option to anybody, but it's not an option to do so and follow Jesus. Following Jesus draws you in to the need of the world, to the needs around us. And I also find, like, at times, one of the things that's just been on my mind, like, I just want to 
chat a little bit about it because I see this scripture speaking to it. But we can also get that cynicism in our hearts towards the church, towards these, these people called the church, God's people. I don't know about you guys, I, I hear this sentence, this phrase often, and I understand it, I'm sympathetic to it, but it's this statement, I love Jesus, but I'm not so sure about the church. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? <laughs> you know, it's this, it's this thing that happens in us where we, where we look at it and we, we begin to go, is this it? Is this what it's all about? When I hear that statement, it's like I want to hit pause and ask the question, what do we mean by church when we say that? Because if you mean the people of God who were chosen to be light and salt in the earth and meet the needs of the world with the love of Jesus, you're not so sure about that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. If by church we mean like, I don't know about the systems and the structures and the things that we have seen over the years, I question that. I'm with you all day. I'll, like, I, will, I will ask questions of that, try to poke holes in it, and find our way forward into being the powerful force that God has called us to be in the world. And I will say this, that you will not arrive at the conclusion that being connected to the church is, imp- is not important by reading Scripture. You know, there's this, there's this thing that can happen where we start to feel, well, I'm just going to follow Jesus, do my thing. But I don't really want to do that church thing. And there's this clear call, right, that we heard over and over in this scripture that if you're going to love Jesus, you're going to love your brothers and your sisters. There's going to be an affection in our heart toward one another. That we're drawn to each other. I think people, we give up on church more based on our feelings or some bad experiences than through reading the scriptures, through actually seeing God's plan, because God's plan is the church. God's plan and hope for the world is his church, is his people. Jesus said to his followers, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And the world needs Jesus' followers who are lit up. And I don't know about you guys, but being around you, I get lit up. There's something about an encouragement that happens. And I think at times we do. We look at the systems, we look at the structures, and we we ask questions of it, and we have doubts about it. And I found myself seeing this picture of, like, Christmas lights. When I think about it, you know, Christmas lights are these little tiny lights, right? Right? And if all those lights are bundled up and tangled together, they're actually not that effective. But as soon as we spread them out across the house, it blows my mind how much it lights up my whole property. These little tiny lights. And the idea being is that we weren't made just to huddle together. We're made to go out. We're made to be spread out. And sometimes we can feel like, oh, what's my little light going to do? But I tell you, this world, this city itself, let's just think in terms of Victoria, this city has tons of darkness, needing light. And it requires a people who will say, I'm not going to let my heart get closed off. 
I'm not going to shut up inside my safe little space where I can disconnect myself from the needs of the world around me. And I know maybe it's feeling like, what are, we, are we talking right now about needs of the world or how we relate to the church? And to me, it's both. Because the reality is, is that it's us together as God's people that are going to light up the city. And there's this need to stay committed to the process of what does it look like to be Jesus followers, loving God and loving people in the city of Victoria. And asking each other these questions and imagining what it could look like together. Like when I dream about our church and all of my my wildest dreams and hopes for what God would do through us, I don't see a bundled up uh, mess of Christmas lights. I see it spread out. I see all of us letting our hearts be touched by the needs of our city, by the specific ones that God puts on our hearts. And going out to light up the world. I said this already, but I want to say it again. Living with our hearts closed, closed for business, is not an option as a Jesus follower. I said it already, I'll say it again. It's an option. It is an option to to put the sheets of plywood up over the door, put the chains on, put the bars up, and close ourselves in. It is an option to do that. But you can't do that and follow Jesus at the same time. Because Jesus calls us in to the brokenness, into the realities of our world that need hope, that need deliverance, that need healing. But we don't get there and we don't get into this place of actually touching the world around us just by knowing the call. Just by simply being like, hey, you should be doing this. You should have a heart that's open to this world and its pain. But it actually comes to the encounter with Jesus. I mean, you look at some of these words in the scripture we read at the very beginning. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. Or in chapter 4 we read, we love because he first loved us. And the the type of actually action and response and deed that John calls us to, that this world needs and that, that we have the impulse to do in us, doesn't happen just by knowing it's the right thing. It happens by actually encountering the love of Jesus. I would say this, we need to know Jesus, not just the call. Because it's in knowing him and his love for you that we get transformed. It's near impossible to hang around Jesus in his word, in his presence, feel his spirit, be reminded of who he is and what he's like, and not have affection for people be the response. And maybe we look and we look out at it and we go, hey, it's too painful. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to be comfortable. If I let my heart get too connected to that, it's going to cost me too much. 
But that was the thing, right? John said it. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart, how does the love of God abide in him? And I would say it's not just this world's goods. There's this sense that we have the goods. As Jesus followers, we have what the world needs. Simply put, his name's Jesus. We have the light of the world living inside of us. Let it not be shut up and closed off. But as we move in to what this world needs, yes, it's painful. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's costly. But it's worth it. It really is. When I think about Jesus, one of the things that strikes me about him is that when he looked out at the world and the darkness and the pain and the need, he didn't stay afar off. He didn't just look at it from a distance, but he drew near. The Bible talks about how he clothed himself in humanity. He got so near humanity's issues that he became one of us, lived among us, got into the mess, got into the brokenness, identified so much with our sin that he died on a cross for sins he did not commit. He got into the thick of the mess. And when we look around at our world with all of its brokenness and all of its pain and all of its need for the hope and the light, I think it's important to realize this. These are words that, that Danny Silk said to us when we were in school ministry around the whole idea of like counseling people through their stuff. But he would say this to us, no problem has a solution until it has an owner. And, and, and it was in this context of that when you're walking with somebody and they're looking for counsel and wisdom and wanting to find their way forward in some issue in their life, until they'll take ownership of it and work on it, there's no solution. But that, that phrase has been just like resounding in my heart as I look out at some of the situations in our city. And I think to myself, these problems, these pains have no solution until they have an owner. Who will take ownership of them? Who will look at them and, and draw near versus pull back? And, and there can be a real overwhelming sense when we look at that because it feels like too much. But the difference is, is when a few hundred people, rather than one, look out across the city and say, what part, God, are you asking me to engage with? Together, there's impact. Beyond what you could ever do on your own. But just this idea. No problem will have a solution until it has an owner.
Will we own it? You know, I was so struck with this as we looked at the whole 215 thing. So it was this awareness that somebody has to step up and say, we tore families apart. We did this. Because as long as, as long as we all stand back and distance ourselves from it and, and reject the idea that we had, you know, hold to this thing, I had nothing to do with it, I didn't do it, it remains out there untouched. But we can apply that to anything. You know, whether it is a, a need in our city, things you see downtown or in your neighborhood with your neighbors, or whether it be the things that you see within the church that we go, hey, this needs to change. We've got to draw near to it and let our hearts be touched by it. It's a short message today, because that's about it. And um, I want us to receive communion together, because I am utterly convinced that we will only live with our hearts open when we encounter him and his love for us. I want to read the scripture Again, before we receive the elements. If you're at home, feel free to run off if you didn't already hear the announcement and grab something. It doesn't have to be bread and wine or juice. It can be Cheerios and water or whatever you've got kicking around. Let's read this again. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And Father, we just say we want to be a people whose hearts are always open for business, whose hearts are always open to love, whose hearts are always open to bear the burdens of those around us, to meet the needs. Lord, that we wouldn't be a people who cling to what we have, whether it's time, energy, money, or some other resource, that we wouldn't cling to it, Lord, that we would be a people who, who see how you freely gave yourself for us, and we would freely give, that we would be marked by hearts that feel and a generous disposition to the world around us. A generous disposition to our brothers and our sisters. So we take this morning, Lord, your, your body, and we remember 
that you gave of yourself fully and completely. You did not stand at a distance and simply analyze the state of the world, but you clothed yourself in a human body. And you came and you showed us what love looks like. What living according to the truth looks like. You came and you showed us the Father. And today we take and we eat with grateful hearts. Jesus' body for you. And you shed your blood for the remission of sins. Lord, we say that we, we close our hearts. At times we are calloused and cynical. Lord, we ask by your grace you help us to repent of that. To have tender hearts. To have open hearts. To have hands and feet that move towards need. To have mouths that release words of grace and hope and truth. And we thank you for your bloodshed. We may wash clean and start afresh. So we drink this cup this morning, thankful for your mercy and Jesus' blood for you. I just have the words of the last song that we sang this morning ringing in my head. I believe it was, it's shake off the dust of all my tradition. Is that what it is? Can you just read it to us, Charlotte? You don't have to sing it. Just read it to us. Shake up the ground of all of my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. And I just, I just as I hear those words, I find myself thinking that we're in this time and a season where I do believe that we are asking the Lord, what does it look like to be your church in the city of Victoria? What does it look like to be a people who do more than just cluster together as a tangled ball of Christmas lights and be spread out throughout the city and light up the darkness? And I just want to encourage you to just embrace those words in that prayer. Lord, shake it off me. Shake off the dust. Let me reimagine with you what it would look like for us to live with hearts open and willing lives. I see for our church just communities, micro churches that are out meeting specific needs in our city loving well together i'm excited guys about what's ahead but it's but it's more than just about a certain model or structure it really starts with our hearts being gripped with what grips his heart so i just want to encourage you to to let your mind and your heart run wild dreaming with him and imagining what it might look like 
and responding to the voice of King Jesus who drew near into the pain of this world and said yes to giving himself fully. That's all. <laughs> simple, simple stuff. Love you guys. Bless you. Have an awesome day, an amazing week, dreaming with God and responding to his call. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.